Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. <coughs> we read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the online edition by going to jcim.net. That's jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at top for the online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 6, Attack and Fear, with the continuation of the section 2, The Message of the Crucifixion. At the top of the hour, <clears throat> we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day, Lesson 65, my only function is the one God gave me, and let's say by Charles. Okay, uh, Lori, do you have a specific opening? I do, Lemoyne. It's just a perfect little thought from Khalil Gibran. Perfect for the day. Jesus wasn't sent here to teach people to build magnificent churches and temples amidst the cold, wretched huts and dismal hovels. He came to make the human heart a temple, the soul an altar, and the mind a priest. He came to make the human heart a temple, the soul an altar, and the mind a priest. Amen. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Yes, it was. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Well, once again, my privilege. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, Lori. Okay. Um, well, let me ha- go through the reading list. I have uh, with us in reading this morning, I have Harrison, Lori, Charles, Leanne, Karen, Jessica, and Sandra, and Robin Marie. And with us in the listening, I have Ida and Judy. Is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to say good morning? Say hi. Okay. Go ahead and get us started. Uh, I think we'll start this morning because we're in the middle of this section. Start with a small recap here. Of uh, four through eight or so.
Okay, for teaching purposes, let us consider the crucifixion again. We have not dwelt on it before because of its fearful connotation. Only emphasis laid upon it was that it was not a form of punishment. There is a positive interpretation of the crucifixion which is wholly devoid of fear and therefore wholly benign in what it teaches if it is properly understood. The crucifixion is nothing more than an extreme example. Its value lies solely in the kind of learning it facilitates. It can be and has been misunderstood because the fearful are apt to perceive fearfully. The crucifixion has a definite contribution to make to your own lives, and if you will consider it without fear, it will help you understand your own role as teachers. <clears throat> you have reacted for years as if you were being crucified. This is the marked tendency of the separated one, who always refuse to consider what they have done to themselves. Projection means anger. Anger fosters assault, and assault promotes fear. The real meaning of the crucifixion lies in the apparent intensity of the assault of some of the sons of God upon another. This, of course, is impossible. It must be fully understood as an impossibility. In fact, unless it is un fully understood as only that, I cannot serve as a real model for learning. From seven, salt can ultimately be made only on the body. There is little doubt that one body can assault another and even destroy it. Yet if destruction itself is impossible, then anything that is destructible cannot be real. Therefore, its destruction does not just by anger. To the extent which you believe that it does, you must be accepting false premises and teaching them to others. The message which the crucifixion was intended to teach was that it is not necessary to perceive any form of assault in persecution because you cannot be persecuted. If you respond with anger, you must be equating yourself with the destructible and are therefore regarding yourself insane. Okay. Two here. Jesus speaking. I have made it perfectly clear that I am like you and you are like me. But our fundamental equality can be demonstrated only through joint decision. You are free to perceive yourselves as persecuted if you choose. You might remember, however, that when you do choose to react that way, that I was persecuted as the world judges and did not share this evaluation for myself. And because I did not share it, I did not strengthen it. I therefore offered a different interpretation of attack and one which I do want to share with you. If you will believe it, you will help me to teach it. 
We have said before, quote, as you teach, so shall you learn, unquote. If you react as if you are being persecuted, you are teaching persecution. This is not a lesson which the sons of God should want to teach if they are to realize their own salvation. Rather, teach your own perfect immunity, which is the truth in you, and know that it cannot be assailed. Do not protect it yourself, or you have believed that it is assailable. You are not asked to be crucified, which was part of my own teaching contribution. You are merely asked to follow my example in the face of much less extreme temptations to misperceive, and not to accept them falsely as justifications for anger. So, Harrison, would you read 9 and 10? 9. We have said before. We have said before. Um, as you teach, so shall you learn. Unquote. If you react as if you are persecuted, you are teaching persecution. This is not a lesson which the Son of God should want to teach if they are to realize their own salvation. Rather, teach your own perfect immunity, which is the truth in you and know that it cannot be a servant. Do not protect it yourselves, or you have believed that it is a servant. You are not asked to be crucified, which was part of my own teaching contribution. You're merely asked to follow my example in the face of much less extreme temptations to misperceive and not to accept them falsely as justifications for anger. Ten, there can be no justification for the unjustifiable. Do not believe there is, and do not teach that there is. Remember always <coughs> that what you believe, you will teach. Believe with me, and we will become equal as teachers. Your resurrection is your reawakening. I am the model for rebirth. But rebirth itself is merely the dawning on your minds of what is already in them. God placed it there himself. So it is true forever. I believed in it, 
and therefore made it forever true for me. Help me to teach it to our brothers in the name of the kingdom of God. But first, believe that it is true for you, or you will teach amiss. Thank you, Harrison. And Lori? Ten. There can be no justification for the unjustifiable. Do not believe there is, and do not teach that there is. Remember always that what you believe, you will teach. Believe with me, and we will become equal as teachers. Your resurrection is your reawakening. I am the model for rebirth, but rebirth itself is merely the dawning on your minds of what is already in them. God placed it there himself, and so it is true forever. I believed in it, and therefore made it forever true for me. Help me to teach it to our brothers in the name of the kingdom of God, but first believe that it is true for you, or you will teach a myth. Eleven. My brothers slept during the so-called, quote, agony in the garden. But I could not be angry with them because I had learned I could not be abandoned. Peter swore he would never deny me, but he did so three times. He did offer to defend me with the sword, which I naturally refused, not being at all in need of bodily protection. I'm sorry when my brothers do not share my decision to hear only one voice, because it weakens them as teachers and as learners. Yet I know they cannot really betray themselves or me, and that it is still on them that I must build my church. Thank you, Lori. And Charles. Thank you. Number 11. My brothers slept during the so-called, quote, agony in the garden. But I, but, but I could not be angry with them because I had learned I could not be abandoned. Peter swore he would never deny me, but he did so three times. He did offer to defend me with the sword, which I naturally refused, not being at all in need of bodily protection. I am sorry when my brothers do not share my decision to hear only one voice, because it weakens them as teachers and as learners. Yet I know they cannot really betray themselves or me, and that is still on them that I must build my church. There is no choice in this because only you can be the foundation of God's church. A church is where an altar is, and the presence of the altar is what makes it a church. Any church which does not inspire love has a hidden altar, which is not serving the purpose for which God intended it. I must found his church on you 
because you who accept me as a model are literally my disciples. Disciples are followers. But if the model they follow has chosen to save them pain in all respects, they are probably unwise not to follow him. Thank you. Thank thank you, Charles. And Leanne. So I would read 12 again and 13, 14, right? Uh, 12 and 13. 13, okay. There is no choice in this because only you can be the foundation of God's church. A church is where an altar is, and the presence of the altar is what makes it a church. Any church which does not inspire love has a hidden altar which is not serving the purpose for which God intended it. I must found his church on you because you who accepted me as a model are literally my disciples. Disciples are followers. But if the model they follow has chosen to save them pain in all respects, they are probably unwise not to follow him. I elected, both for your sake and mine, to demonstrate that the most outrageous assault, as judged by the eagle, did not matter. As the world judges these things, but not as God knows them, I was betrayed, abandoned, beaten, torn, and finally killed. It was perfectly clear that this was only because of the projection of others. Because I had not harmed anyone, and I had healed many. We are still equal as learners, even though we need not have equal experiences. The Holy Spirit is glad when you can learn enough from mine to be reawakened by them. That was their only purpose, and that is the only way in which I can be perceived as the way, the truth, and the light. Thank you, Leanne. And Karen. Thirteen. I elected for your sake and mine. Excuse me. Thirteen. Thirteen. I elected both for your sake and mine to demonstrate that the most outrageous assault as judged by the ego did not matter. As the world judges these things, but not as God knows them, I was betrayed, abandoned, beaten, torn, and finally killed. It was perfectly clear that this was only because of the projection of others, because I had not harmed anyone and had healed many. We are still 
equal as learners, even though we need not have equal experiences. The Holy Spirit is glad when you can learn enough from mine to be awakened by them. That was their only purpose, and that is the only way in which I can be perceived as the way, the truth, and the light. 14. When you hear only one voice, you are never called on to sacrifice. On the contrary, by enabling yourself to hear the Holy Spirit in others, you can learn from their experiences and gain from them without experiencing them yourself. That is because the Holy Spirit is one, and anyone who listens is inevitably led to demonstrate his way for all. You are not persecuted, nor was I. You are not asked to repeat my experiences, because the Holy Spirit, whom we share, makes this unnecessary. To use my experiences constructively, however, you must still follow my example in how to perceive them. Uh, thank you, Karen. And Jessica. Thanks, Lemoyne. <clears throat> 14. When you hear only one voice, you are never called on to sacrifice. On the contrary, by enabling yourselves to hear the Holy Spirit in others, you can learn from their experiences and gain from them without experiencing them yourself. That is because the Holy Spirit is one, and anyone who listens is inevitably led to demonstrate his way for all. You are not persecuted, nor was I. You are not asked to repeat my experiences because the Holy Spirit, whom we share, makes this unnecessary. To use my experiences constructively, however, you must still follow my example in how to perceive them. 15. My brothers and yours are constantly engaged in justifying the unjustifiable. My one lesson, which I must teach as I learned, is that no perception which is out of accord with the judgment of the Holy Spirit can be justified. I undertook to show this was true in a very extreme case, merely because it would serve as a good teaching aid to those whose temptations to give in to anger and assault would not be so extreme. I will with God that none of his sons would suffer. Thank you, Jessica. And Sandra. 15. 
My brothers and yours are constantly engaged in justifying the unjustifiable. My one lesson, which I must teach as I learned, is that no perception which is out of accord with the judgment of the Holy Spirit can be justified. I undertook to show this was true in a very extreme case, merely because it would serve as a good teaching aid to those whose temptations to give in to anger and assault would not be so extreme. I will with God that no one of his that none of his sons should suffer. Sixteen. Remember that the Holy Spirit is the communication link between God the Father and his separated son. If you will listen to his voice, you will know that you cannot either hurt or be hurt and that many need your blessing to help them hear this for themselves. When you perceive only this, when you perceive only this need in them, and do not respond to any other, you will have learned of me and will be as eager to share your learning as I am. The crucifixion cannot be shared because it is the symbol of projection, but the, res- but the resurrection is the symbol of sharing because the reawakening of every son of God is necessary to enable the sonship to know its wholeness. Only this is knowledge. Thank you, Sandra. And Robin Marie, would you read 16 through 18? Yes. Excuse me. Remember that the Holy Spirit is the communication link between God the Father and his separated sons. If you will listen to his voice, you will know that you cannot either hurt or be hurt, and that many need your blessing to help them hear this for themselves. When you perceive only this need in them and do not respond to any other, you will have learned of me and will be as eager to share your learning as I am. This crucifixion cannot be shared because it is the symbol of projection, but the resurrection is the symbol of sharing because the reawakening of every son of God is necessary to enable the sonship to know its wholeness. Only this is knowledge. 17. The message of the crucifixion is very simple and perfectly clear. 18. Teach only love, for that is what you are. Thank you, Robin Marie. And is there a new reader for... Uh, 17 through 19. 
reader for 17 through 19? 17, 17 through 19. I can do it. Thanks, Lemoyne. 17. The message of the crucifixion is very simply and perfectly clear. Teach only love, for that is what you are. If you interpret the crucifixion in any other way, you are using it as a weapon for assault rather than as the call for peace for which it was intended. The apostles often misunderstood it, and always for the same reason that makes anyone misunderstand anything. Their own imperfect love made them vulnerable to projection, and out of their own fear, they spoke of the wrath of God as his retaliatory weapon. Excuse me. Nor could they speak of the crucifixion entirely without anger because their own sense of guilt had made them angry. Oh, I want to just keep reading and reading. Thank you, Lemoyne. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. <clears throat> and is there another new reader for 17 through 20? I can I can read. Okay, Mindy. This is Leanne. Oh, this is Leanne. Oh. Okay, oh. well, um, go ahead, Leanne. Normally, we if, if there's no new readers, we go back to the beginning. But you go right ahead. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Seventeen through twenty. The message of the crucifixion, very simple and perfectly clear, is. Teach only love, for that is what you are. If you interpret the crucifixion in any other way, you are using it as a weapon for assault rather than as the call for peace for which it was intended. The apostles often misunderstood it, and always for the same reason that makes anyone misunderstand anything. Their own imperfect love made them vulnerable to projection. And out of their own fear, they spoke of the wrath of God as his retaliatory weapon. Nor could they speak of the crucifixion entirely without anger, because their own sense of guilt had made them angry. There are two glaring examples of upside-down thinking in the New Testament whose gospel is only the message of love. These are not like the several slips into impatience which I made. I had learned the atonement prayer, which I also came to teach too well to engage in upside-down thinking myself If the apostles had not felt guilty, they never could have quoted me as saying, I come not to bring peace but a sword. This is clearly the exact opposite of everything I had thought. 
Um, thank you, Leah. And okay, I'm more time. Is there another new reader for twenty and twenty one? Okay, back to you, Harrison. 20. There are two glaring examples of upside-down thinking in the New Testament whose whole gospel is only the message of love. These are not like the several slips into impatience which I made, I have learned the atonement prayer, which I also came to teach too well to engage in upside-down thinking myself. If the apostles had not felt guilty, they never could have quoted me as saying, I come not to bring peace, but a sword, unquote. This is clearly the exact opposite of everything I taught. 21. Nor could they have described my reactions to Judas as they did if they had really understood me, they would have realized I could not have said, quote, betrayest thou the Son of God with a kiss, unquote, unless I believed in betrayal. The whole message of the crucifixion was simply that I did not. The quote-unquote punishment, which I said have called forth upon Judas, was a similar reversal. Judas was my brother and the son of God, as much a part of the sonship as myself. Was it likely that I would condemn him when I was ready? to demonstrate that condemnation is impossible. Thank you, Harrison. And Lori. Twenty one. Oh no, that's not right. Twenty two, I'm sorry. No, no, 21 is right. Okay, thank you. Go Nor ahead. could they have described my reactions to Judas as they did if they had really understood me. They would have realized I could not have said, Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss, unless I believed in betrayal. The whole message of the crucifixion was simply that I did not. The so-called punishment, which I am said to have called forth upon Judas, was a similar reversal. Judas was my brother and a son of God, as much a part of the sonship as myself. Was it likely that I would condemn him when I was ready to demonstrate that condemnation is impossible? 
22. I am very grateful to the apostles for their teaching and fully aware of the extent of their devotion to me. Nevertheless, as you read their teachings, remember that I told them myself that there was much they would understand later because they were not wholly ready to follow me at the time. I emphasize this only because I do not want you to allow any fear to enter into the thought system toward which I am guiding you. I do not call for martyrs, but for teachers. No one is quote-unquote punished for sins, and the sons of God are not sinners. Uh, thank you, Lori. And Charles. Thank you. 22. I am very grateful to the apostles for their teaching and fully aware of the extent of their devotion to me. Nevertheless, as you read their teachings, remember that I told them myself that there was much they would understand later because they were not wholly ready to follow me at that time. I emphasize this only because I do not want you to allow any fear to enter into the thought system toward which I am guiding you. I do not call for martyrs, but for teachers. No one is punished for sins. And sons of God are not sinners. Any concept of, quote, punishment, unquote, involves the projection of blame and reinforces the idea that blame is justified. The behavior that results is a lesson in blame, just as all behavior teaches the beliefs which motivate it. The crucifixion was a complex of behaviors arising out of clearly opposed thought systems. As such, it is the perfect symbol of conflict between the eagle and the Son of God. It was as much interpersonal as interpersonal then, just as it is now, and it is still just as real. But because it is just as real now, its lesson, too, has equal reality when it is learned. I do not need gratitude any more than I need protection. But you need to develop your weakened ability to be grateful, or you cannot appreciate God. He does not need your appreciation, but you do. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. <clears throat> And Leanne, if you read 23 and 24. Any concept of quote-unquote punishment involves the projection of blame and reinforces the idea that blame is justified. The behavior that results is a lesson in blame, just as all behavior teaches 
the beliefs which it which motivate it. The crucifixion was a complex of behaviors arising out of clearly opposed thought systems. As such, it is the perfect symbol of conflict between the ego and the Son of God. It was as much interpersonal as interpersonal then, just as it is now, and it is still just as real. But because it is just as real now, it lesson, too, has equal reality when it is learned. I do not need gratitude any more than I need protection. But you need to develop your weakened ability to be grateful, or you cannot appreciate God. He does not need your appreciation, but you do. You cannot love what you do not appreciate, and fear makes appreciation impossible. Whenever you are afraid of what you are, you do not appreciate it and will therefore reject it. As a result, you will teach rejection. The power of the sons of God is operating all the time because they were created as creators. Their influence on each other is without limit and must be used for their joint salvation. Each one must learn to teach that all forms of rejection are utterly meaningless. The separation is the notion of rejection. As long as you teach this, you still believe it. This is not as God thinks. And you must think as he thinks if you are to know him again. Thank you, Leanne. And Karen. Are you on mute, Karen? Would you like to read 24? Looks like she's dropped. Okay. Uh, Jessica, would you read 24? Yes, I will. Let's see. 24. You cannot love what you do not appreciate, and fear makes appreciation impossible. Whenever you are afraid of what you are, you do not appreciate it and will therefore reject it. As a result, you will teach rejection. The power of the sons of God is operating all the time because they were created as creators. Their influence on each other 
is without limit and must be used for their joint salvation. Each one must learn to teach that all forms of rejection are utterly meaningless. The separation is the notion of rejection. As long as you teach this, you still believe it. It is not as God thinks, and you must think as he thinks if you are to know him again. Uh, thank you, Jessica. And, uh, well, not to be ruled by time up. I, I am going to do, however, a very short summary. It's all from 17, 18, 19. 17, the message of the crucifixion is perfectly clear. 18, teach only love. For that is what you are. And I, if you interpret the crucifixion in any other way, you are using it as a weapon for assault, rather than as the call for peace for which it was intended. The apostles often misunderstood it, and always for the same reason that makes anyone misunderstand anything. Their own imperfect love made them vulnerable to projection, and out of their own fear, they spoke of the wrath of God as his retaliatory weapon. Nor could they speak of the crucifixion entirely without anger, because their own sense of guilt had made them. The only real path that we atonement for ourselves. And I want to ask uh, Sandra, if you would, would you repeat 24? Would you do that? Sure. Did you want me to say it in the first person? Um, if you like, sure. Either way. Okay. I cannot love what I do not appreciate. And fear makes appreciation impossible. Whenever I am afraid of what you are, you do not appreciate... Whenever I am afraid of what I am, I do not appreciate it and will therefore reject it. As a result, I will teach rejection. The power of the sons of God is operating all the time because they were created as creators Their influence on each other is without limit and must be used for their joint salvation. Each one must learn to teach that all forms of rejection are utterly meaningless. The separation is the notion of rejection. As long as I teach this, I still believe it. This is not as God thinks. And you must think as he thinks, and I must think as he thinks, if I am to know him again. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. First, first. Okay. 
repentance again, the message of crucifixion, he only loved for that. And uh, I'll turn to you now, Charles. Thank you, Lemoyne. 65. The function, my only function is the one God gave me. The idea for today reaffirms your commitment to, to salvation. It also reminds you that you have no function other than this. Both of those thoughts are obviously necessary for a total commitment. Salvation cannot be the only purpose you hold while you still cherish others. The full acceptance of salvation as your only function necessarily involves two stages, necessarily entails two phases the recognition of salvation as your function and the relinquishment of all the other goals you have invented for yourself. This is why the only way in which you can take your rightful place among the this is the only way in which you can take your rightful place among the saviors of the world. This is the only way in which you can say and mean Quote, my only function is the one God gave me. Unquote. This is the only way in which you can find peace of mind. Today, and for a number of days, let us set aside 15 minutes for a more sustained practice period in which you try to understand and accept today's idea really means. For it offers you escape from all your preconceived difficulties. It places the key to the door of peace, which you have closed upon yourself in your own hands. It gives you the answer to all the searching you have done since time began. Try, if possible, to undertake the daily extended practice periods at approximately the same time each day. Try also to determine this time today in advance and then adhere to it as closely as possible. The purpose is of this is to arrange your day that you have set apart the time for God as well as for the trivial purposes and goals you will pursue. This is part of the long-range disciplinary training in which your mind needs, so that the Holy Spirit can use it consistently for the purpose he shares with you. For this longer practice period, begin my reviewing the idea for today, then close your eyes, Repeat the idea to yourself once again and watch your mind carefully to catch whatever thoughts cross it. At first, make no attempt to concentrate on only thoughts related to the idea for today, 
Rather, try to uncover each thought that arises, which would interfere with it. Know each one as it comes to you as a little involvement or concern with as little involvement or concern as possible. Dismissing each one by telling yourself, this thought reflects a goal that is preventing me from accepting my only function. After a while, interfering thoughts will become harder to find. Try, however, to continue a minute or so longer, attempting to catch a few of the idle thoughts would escape your attention before. But do not strain or make undue effort in doing this. Then tell yourself, on this clear slate, let my true function be written for me. You need not use these exact words, but try to get a sense of being of being willing to have your illusions of purpose be replaced by truth. Finally, repeat the idea for today once more and devote the rest of the practice period to trying to focus on its importance to you. The relief its acceptance will bring you by resolving your conflicts once and for all, and the extent to which you really want salvation in spite of your own foolish ideas to the contrary. In the shorter practice periods, which should undertake at least once an hour, use this form in applying today's idea. My only function is one God gave me. I want no other. I have no other. Sometimes close your eyes as you practice, and sometimes keep them open and look about you. It is what you see now that will be totally, it is what you see now that will be totally changed when you accept today's idea completely. My only function is the one God gave me. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Well done. Thank you. Thank you, dear brother. Thank you. Thank you, dear ones. Thank you. This is Harrison. My only function is the one God gave me. The lesson focuses a lot on what interferes with that. All my thoughts that uh, have me focusing on other functions. Uh, trying to fix things, trying to save the world. Um, uh, trying to uh, tell everybody 
uh, what's right and wrong. Um, and then uh, today's reading uh, sends home a mighty lesson. Uh, he says the message of the crucifixion is perfectly clear. Teach only love. So that is what you how simple is that? Teach only love. For that is what you are. I'm, I was not created to save the world. I was not created to fix the world. I was created only to love. It's my only function. How simple is that? But I make it so hard and so complex. And I do it by allowing judgment us to enter and to create conditions to love. If they would do this, I would love them. They're doing that so I can't love them. They don't deserve love. They crucified Christ. They're terrible people. Jesus spends this section trying to get me to understand that focusing on the actions and the behaviors and even the thoughts of others that are contrary to his teaching is my problem. Those are thoughts that are interfering with the truth as God created it. And my only function, really, is to embrace that truth. Teach only love, for that is what you are. Any thought that is contrary to love means that I don't know myself. If I embrace any other thought, it means that I'm not taking advantage of the wonderful, beautiful, self that God created. And I'm not embracing his gifts, which is peace, love, happiness, joy.
I teach only love, for that is what I am. I'm complete. Thank you, dear brother. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Yes, you do. Mm. Yes, mm-hmm. you do. Thank you, Harrison. Mm. Beautiful, Harrison. Harrison. Amen. This is Charles here. Um, I like to speak to the idea of sacrifice, um, of how I um, well, through my beliefs, I, I interfere and I block my ability to hear the voice for truth in my brothers and sisters by not looking for it. Now, what came from my mind when Jesus was with Harold, and this is really strange, and Harold says, don't, don't you know I have the, 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 the power to let you go and set you free and to make you a free man? And then Jesus turned to him and said, you have no power here or in heaven, because he knew his destiny, and everybody played that role in it. Yet Harold still tried even though Jesus told him that, he still tried to do everything he could to free Jesus. And nothing he tried worked. It's like when the soul's purpose is fulfilled, it's um, when we follow our soul's purpose, it's very clear what teaching love is truly is to be vulnerable with our brothers and sisters, to know that the voice of God is in our brothers and sisters. And they respond to us according to the love that God would have to share with each other. So I don't understand the full extent of what Jesus is teaching here. It comes to my mind that there is more to be realized than I can actually understand at the moment. So with that, I'm complete. And thank you for allowing me to share. Thank Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. This is Ida. Hi, good morning. Um, I tend to look at it sometimes as um, two ways that are one way is leading to the Son of God, to true love, to true inner peace, the peace of God. The other way is leading to the ego, to separation, to fear, to uh, emphasis on the body and physical things, to suffering. And um, this lesson today and these paragraphs today are talking about these two ways. And um, I'm not blaming anybody, but the one Son of God has been led astray by parts of 
like parts, quote-unquote, of the Son of God who have on purpose um, for their own, you know, greed and material gain and, and sense of power uh, through the institutions of life, through business and education and the media, etc., um, led us toward the ego, towards fear and towards suffering. Um, however, the power of the love of God and the peace of God is greater. I always like to say the power of love is greater than the love of power, right? So um, we are moving in the direction of the one son of God and of that peace, of that oneness, of that love, which will not only, you know, as Harrison said, shift ourselves back to that from the inside, but it will shift the entire society. It will, without our even trying, shift our perception and the experience of the entire um, physical, material world and societies on our planet, and dare I say, even elsewhere. Um, So... We're going in the right direction, and I wanted to share that. Thank you so much. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you. That was wonderful. Great. Thank you. I love where you said God's fear is greater than any. God's love is greater than any fear that we could ever experience. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thanks, Ida. Thanks, everybody. <clears throat> this is Sandra. And um, for me, this the lesson that my only function is the one that God gave me. And I, you know, I thought maybe it was love, but I, I'm very confused about that word. <laughs> Um, I, I'm less confused about patience, acceptance, um, uh, forgiveness, but love is compassion. Love still is elusive, I think, for me because people use it so, you know, love you, love you. They don't even know me, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Or, I don't know, it's just... It, it just that word for me is a little bit elusive. Um, uh, but one word that isn't elusive for me that I think I know what it means is betrayal. And they mentioned betrayal in this reading. And since my only function is the one God gave me, and for me the simplicity of that is my only function is to forgive myself and to forgive the world. That's it. That's, there's only one function. And, and I understand what forgiveness means because it's, that has been so challenging for me to, um, to, to do that because I feel that and I think that I have been betrayed and abused and violated. And, you know, from the world's perspective, all those things have happened to me. However, <laughs> in quantum physics and also in this spiritual uh, teaching of non-dualism, all things work together for good, yes? 
all things are connected, yes? So if all things work together for my good, then there's no such thing as betrayal. The word is kind of like an oxymoron because how can you betray if all things work together for good? How can there be a betrayal? I may not see, uh, you know, how it's working together for my good in that moment because I can't see the whole picture, but, but God can. And God knows that all things work together for good because everything is connected. There is no separation. God is in everything I see, including the most atrocious, horrific thing on this planet. And I can't judge it because I cannot see the whole picture. And I think betrayal is a a judgmental word. And therefore, it's an illusion. There's no such thing. Which has really shaken me to the core in these past few days as I'm integrating this material more and more each time I go through this book every year that I do these lessons I integrate a little bit more and a little bit more and um, so now I'm just full of gratitude and I can feel the energy shifting just because I'm willing more willing than I ever have been to forgive myself and forgive the world I see. I'm complete. Thank you so much, Sandra. That was great. Thank you. Thank you, dear one. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. It's Mm. so good to hear that. Thank you. Hi, guys. It's Jude. Thank you all for your beautiful shares. Did I interrupt someone? I did want to say amen, Sandra. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Lemoy. I um some some things are really jumping out. I mean, this is such a powerful section and a powerful lesson. And um, one beautiful thought that came to mind when I did the morning lesson earlier, um, in the morning was um, keep this way to follow this way, keep this way. And um, you know the, the the obviousness of the the text teaching. Um, there can be the B B no justification for the unjustifiable. And that word B is really jumping out at me today because um, teach only love because that is what I am. I'm a I'm a love being being. Love is what I am. To be, in, in paragraph 12, um, it speaks of this. Um, you know, there's no choice in this um, because I can only be the foundation of God's church. You know, the, my altar is my mind, and my mind is is inspired with love by listening only to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one, and later on it goes to talk about that, the Holy Spirit being the communication link. And if I 
um, listen only to him. I will know I can't be hurt or or hurt anyone. And and listening to that one voice, learning from my brother Jesus's experience that you know, I don't have to go up through anything that he overcame the trials and tribulations of the world and that I should be of good cheer because it's already been accomplished. This has already been accomplished and we just have to accept an acknowledgement as the truth of us that we need not suffer. It's not God's will that we suffer. But, you know, that I can't be persecuted. I cannot be persecuted. No one can hurt me. And I can't persecute anyone else. I can't betray or abandon. I cannot be betrayed or be abandoned. There's only one of us. And there's nowhere to go. There's no one where to run to, away from. There's nothing to fight against (laughs) or be in opposition to. It's oneness. It's totality. To accept the truth of the oneness and our wholeness and completion. That we're... We're, um, you know, no perception which is out of accord with the judgment of the Holy Spirit can be justified. That perception, that slicing and dicing up reality, the totality of our reality, um, according to perceptions, there's a this and a that, there's a multiplicity and a diversity that I let go of all of that and say... What is one is, does not have separate parts. And what is the same cannot be different. And this is my state of mind in unicity, unity in a state of grace. There's nothing to fight. There's nothing to be afraid of. Um, you know, that perception doesn't matter. I let go of all appearances and form, appearances and form, form being deception. Perception is deception. It's a world conceived by the mind, separate from God, to perceive ourselves as images. Self-conceived, not, made, not, not created by God, but perceived from a separate mind. And when we think of bodies in, in, in this world of form, and, and we're, we're misperceiving ourselves as, as a something, when we are imageless, formless, spirit, ideas in the mind of God. So this is huge stuff to me um, that I, I, I am, I see, I see through the body's eyes as a me and everything other than me, or I see myself as mind and see everything as an idea in the mind of God. And I see myself as one mind. And then I see Everything is myself. Love seeing nothing but itself. So to go from upside-down thinking to right-minded thinking to one-mindedness, which is the truth. Um, You know, this whole blame game and pointing fingers should be all that to us now. God knows the incredible beautifulness of our minds as he created them. Let's be one with our, our creator and our source. That's all, folks. The end.
Thank you, Judy. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a great, great chair. Thank you, Judy. I just love your shares, Harrison, about the um, the interfering thoughts, those separate, judgmental, you know, fragment, fragmenting um, ideas and concepts and thoughts that the ego, egoic mind is composed of. Um, that where was I going with that? Oh, someone told me years, twenty years ago, don't believe anything you think, and the course tells us that. Anything we think is real is not real, and anything we think is true is not true. There's no one belief that the ego of the world holds that is true or has anything to do with truth. And, you know, I mean, it's like flip the coin. (laughs) Don't believe a single thing you think. (laughs) Oh, that's all, folks. Well, thanks, Judy. Um, I feel like I I want to speak for thought when you say that I understand what you're. I think I understand what you're getting at, but um, I just think I think that the way to clarify thoughts and figure out which ones are worth keeping is uh, to look at here in the online the red letter with the folded and separated off thoughts like teach only love for that is what you are. That That's a good thought sister right there. <laughs> the thoughts of separation and blame and betrayal and need to defend back Pack. All those they don't they don't reach that standard of teaching only love for that part. And you know there is a way to clarify our thoughts so that it uh, you know relax and let our mind hold only the thoughts we think with God. And with that thought, complete. <laughs> Thank you for that highlight, Lemoyne. Very good. That was right, that was right too. Thank you, Thank you. Good morning, it's Karen. I um had to get off well, I apologize. I don't know if you called on me to read again at the end, but I was up to the last paragraph and Leanne was reading and I had to take a call that was coming and it came like four times so I had to take it. Um, I had this experience over the weekend through the lessons, which I wanted to relate back to Friday when we were talking about forgiveness. Um, Lori was was explaining to me at the time that forgiveness is to know that it never really happened, and I was I was applying forgiveness to something else, and I interrupted, and I'm so sorry, but um. 
I interrupted. I know we don't interrupt on these calls. We always wait till the person is done sharing and they say they're complete. And I love the respect that that is. But um, anyway, I, uh, I interrupted and commented. And um, so I am the light of the world and forgiveness is my function. Forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. Um, the light of the world brings peace to every mind through my forgiveness. Let me not forget my function. My only, my only goal, my only function is the one God gave me. So I was thinking about these lessons yesterday and meditating on it. And I suddenly kind of reflected back on um, my most recent experience in, uh, on staff. I was working on staff with the guru, and I got my face smashed. And I, I was, all of a sudden it just popped into my mind like the Holy Spirit was bringing it up. And um, I thought, yeah, I haven't really forgiven that. <laughs> I've been forgiven that I got my face smashed when I was doing selfless service and paying thousands of dollars to work for six weeks with no with no sleep and being on a bus and all that. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit showed me that my interpretation of my experience, once again, it always comes down to that word, interpretation. The interpretation of that experience of getting my face smashed was childhood and it was my mother's my mother punishing me and even there was a there was even a a a, a coloring of it which was i felt ashamed for being punished i felt guilty for being punished because i must have been bad and in that moment all of a sudden what lori was saying was it never ever happened it was an interpretation. It didn't have anything to do with what happened. It was a it was a childhood projection, which Jesus is talking about when he says that when you feel like you're being crucified, you're it's a projection. If you feel like you're being assaulted, it's a projection. It was a projection of a child mind past experience on a present moment experience. And even if I go back farther, if I go back to the original experience, that never happened because that was an interpretation. You know, my mother was insane. It wasn't her fault. She wasn't, you know, it wasn't because she didn't love me. It wasn't because I was bad. It was none of that. It was because she was so fried emotionally and psychologically from her own past wounds that she was acting out from her own pain. It had nothing to do with me. And from that perspective, it absolutely never happened the way the ego, the way, the way the ego um, interpreted it. That's why nothing that our ego tells us can be trusted because nothing is based on anything um, objective. It's all subjective. It's all based on private world interpretation. And that's why it's so easy to forgive. 
how could I trust what my ego told me happened? It never happened. I'm sure it never happened. Anything ever happened the way I think it happened. (laughs) Because my mind was so distorted, how could I even know? How could I ever even know? That's why I need to trust only the Holy Spirit's interpretation for everything. And come back to gratitude and come back to unity and come back to love. Teach only love for that is what you are. Um, Thank you so much for letting me share that because it felt like such an epiphany. It wasn't that, you know, something didn't happen on on the physical plane. Something might have happened on the physical plane. But what my mind made of it is pure insanity. And that is easy to forgive. I'm complete. Thank you. Um, Lori, I would love to hear if you have a thought on what I just shared. I do. I've got goosebumps all over, Karen. (laughs) I've written one thing on my paper today. Just one thing. It is uncovering my thoughts. Uncovering my thoughts of separation is the only way I can heal them. And that's just such a beautiful uh, way you stated it. It was my interpretation of that that caused me all this harm. And the way I interpreted it erroneously resulted in all the projection of my pain. Oh, what a beautiful example of healing of the mind. Um, I'm still just waving in goosebumps. So thank you for that. And... um, and and when I wrote, the only way to heal thoughts is to uncover them, I made a note in my margin uh, of a quote that reminds me of that. It's from chapter 2, where he says, What you do comes from what you think. What you do comes from what you think. You cannot separate yourself from the truth by giving autonomy to behavior, the doing, This is controlled by me automatically as soon as you place what you think under my guidance. Oh, I so need that. Whenever you are afraid, it's a sure sign you've allowed your mind to miscreate or have not allowed me to guide it. It's pointless to believe that controlling the outcome of misthought can result in healing. You know, that's where we try to make that leap of bypassing. Oh, I shouldn't think that way. No, I need, to, I need to bring that to light in my own mind. You believe that you are responsible for what you do, but not for what you think. Here's the important part. You believe you're responsible for what you do, but not for what you think. The truth is, you're responsible for what you think, because it is only at this level that you can exercise choice. And it's just a perfect example of how you freed your mind. Um, that share oh my god I'm so 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 grateful because it highlights everything I wanted to think about today so ta-da hooray I'm so grateful (laughs) I'm complete thank you I just want to add one tiny little thing I'm sure it was obvious but the point was and I, I need to say it for myself perhaps that when I thought I had to forget what happened, I was seeing it as if the ego mind 
was telling me what happened. And that's what she kept saying the other day, that you can't believe it's real and try to forgive it. Yes. (laughs) That's that's the miracle of it all. Thank you. Yes, it is. It's always what my mind made of it. It's always about what my mind made of it because mind is cause, you know. And that's why, um, thank you for the invitation to share right now. Um, That's why this whole section means so much to me. Um, I'm going to highlight, I think, um, just a narrow little place. It's in paragraph 23. Let's see. There we go. Yep. The behavior that results is a lesson in blame. If I'm believing in punishment, if I'm believing things that happen to me are a consequence of punishment, I deserve them. And I will therefore blame and reinforce the idea in my own mind that blame is justified. Then the behavior that results is a lesson in blame just as all behavior teaches the beliefs that motivate it. This is why the healing of my mind is central um, to this whole discussion. I am the light of the world. The light of the world brings peace to every mind through my forgiveness. Let me not forget my function, and my function is the only one that God gave me. I need my mind to be healed in order to recognize and share the light of the world. Without the healing of my mind, that becomes impossible. Salvation is the healing of my mind and the sharing of that healing. So what he's talking about then is the crucifixion was a complex of behaviors arising out of clearly opposed thought systems. Thank you, Lemoyne, for emphasizing thought systems. As a result, It is the perfect symbol of the conflict between the ego and the Son of God. And when my mind is split between the ego and the Son of God, between um, crucifixion um, and conflict, I'm not healed. And I can't recognize that there is a system of thought he's leading me to, the thought system of love. I need my mind to be healed. And so, he's saying this crucifixion was a complex of behaviors. It was as much intrapersonal as interpersonal then, just as it is now. Intrapersonal means the the split in my mind is healed. I recognize the truth of me. And my truth is not split with the ego mind. My mind is not split. I need my mind to be healed. And when my mind is healed, I will no longer find myself having interpersonal conflict, conflict with my brothers. In other words, as inner conflict resolves, interpersonal conflict disappears. Forgiveness becomes natural. You see, when my mind is healed, it's the privilege of the forgiven to forgive. It's not work. It's a privilege, you see. But I first need my mind to be healed. Finishing that paragraph. Because it is as real now, the crucifixion, 
its lesson too has equal reality when it is learned in other words only the ego thinks that I deserve blame and condemnation and conflict only the ego does not my right mind my right mind allows me to reflect on the truth of me as it's projected by the Holy Spirit to the altar in my mind okay I need salvation I need my mind to be healed and I need to recognize the truth of me and when I recognize the truth of me I'll no longer find myself involved in conflicts with my brother or with creation I like to remember frequently something that Lee said years ago that I'll never forget when my awareness tracks with the truth of me it establishes the power of my peace over any circumstance so when my mind is healed and salvation is mine I will recognize there is no greater need in all the world than for everyone to know the altar to God is in their own heart and that's a fact the altar to God is the only reality of creation created in the image and likeness of the Father everything in creation is holy and if I'm misinterpreting something all I need do is ask the truth of this and I'll discover um, this wonderful thing that the more I tell my mind I don't know to these thoughts that come up of blame and condemnation you did it wrong you should have this shame on you for this um, it's all about my mind you see and when I learn to listen to that ongoing chatter and discriminate the lies from the truth by saying I don't know I learned to my great joy that after a while I'm not hearing that voice anymore in other words the voice of the ego is as real to me as is my investment in it if I don't believe in it I can't hear it and when my mind is healed I just simply stop believing in it all conflict is intrapersonal it's in my mind before it's in the world it's in my mind before it's in the world mind is cause and a healed mind will simply stop seeing conflict and recognize that it is possible to teach only love I think I'm complete there thank you everyone and I'm as much a learner please recognize that I'm as much a learner as a teacher um, but I do recognize that my interests are all wrapped up with yours and I'm complete thank you thank you for explaining the interpersonal that was intrapersonal thank you so much preview that's where happiness comes from <laughs> but that's tomorrow
Well, thank you, Lori. Um, could I ask you one thing, Lori? You mentioned the thought that Lee said that stuck with you. Could you repeat that? I will. I will. I carried on. A, I carried it with me on a napkin until the napkin was torn and tattered. But it is. It goes like this: when my awareness, my awareness, my conscious awareness, lands on the truth of me. It establishes the power of my peace over any circumstance. Not by conflict, but simply by truth. He says the, the way to um, get to golden rule behavior is to perceive from your holiness to the holiness of everything. That's the way to perceive for golden rule behavior. I must perceive correctly. And this whole section is about forgiveness. Uh, teach that all forms of rejection are meaningless. I need my mind to learn that I have not been rejected. I could never be rejected or condemned by God. And when forgiveness lights my mind, it lights creation. You see, the world is responsive to my mind. It's a mirror of my mind. And when I allow forgiveness to land on me, accept atonement for myself, I'll reflect that. Just like he says, I am the light of the world. When my awareness lands on the truth of me, it establishes the power of my peace over any circumstance. Amen. Thank you, Lori. And, uh, I accept that. Um, well, I accept that as close, unless you have something else that you really want to bring forth. But before that, I want to answer Karen. Yeah, Karen, I, I did. I called on you to read the last paragraph. And, uh, yeah, this is working out. I really like the way Sandra took it on and read it the first person. And uh, so I feel <laughs> encouraged to ask you, Karen, do you want to do that? Read the paragraph 24 in the first person? I would, I would love to. <laughs> I would love to. Thank you. I cannot love what I do not appreciate for fear makes appreciation impossible when I am afraid of what I am I do not appreciate it and will therefore reject it as a result I will teach rejection the power of God is operating all the time Excuse me, the power of the sons of God is operating all the time because we were created as creators. Our influence on each other is without limit and must be used for joint salvation. Each one must learn to teach 
that all forms of rejection are utterly meaningless. The separation is the notion of rejection. As long as I teach this, I still believe it. This is not as God thinks. And I must think as he thinks if I am to know him again. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. That was perfect. Thank you, everyone. We picked up on the our influence on each other is without limit <laughs> and must be used for our joint salvation. Thank you. All right, well, <clears throat> as I said, unless someone has burning share they want to bring up, um, be the end of our the recorded portion of our call, but the discussion will continue for most of another hour. So thank you all for being here now and in the future. <laughs>